A warning, today's story involves murder, violence, child endangerment, discussions of slavery, and disease. Something to note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any one story about Sopona, but a combination of stories and texts. Today's episode combines a number of legends and documents for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and this is Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every week we dive into history's most legendary monsters. In telling the stories of their origins, we hope to shed light on some truths hidden behind the creations of these beasts, where they come from, what they symbolize, and how they expose some of humanity's greatest fears. What fear is greater than the terror of disease? This week, we launch a new season on beasts that represent the skin-crawling, heart-stopping violence of illness. Welcome to Mythical Monsters, Monsters of Disease. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we delve into Sopona, described by some as the Yoruba god of the earth, but Sopona wasn't only in charge of sowing seeds and giving life, he was also the god of hot earth, or smallpox, and very particular in the way he was to be worshipped. If his demands weren't met to a T, his wrath was swift, and it came in the form of a deadly rash. Coming up, a young doctor's village is in dire trouble. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sopona was one of the most powerful gods worshipped by the Yoruba people, an ethnic group concentrated in what is today southwestern Nigeria. They were one of the many groups to be captured as part of the slave trade, and as a result have a prominent and active culture among the African diaspora. 
The Yoruba religion, both as its own belief system and in conjunction with Christianity, became popular throughout the African cultures of the Western world, particularly in the Caribbean. Of the hundreds of deities or orishas in the Yoruba religion, few are as feared as Sopona. Along with his brother Shango the Thunder Hurler, Sopona is said to be a direct descendant of the Supreme God. As the god of the earth, he was supposedly responsible for blessing grains and crops. But the legends say that when humans disappoint Sopona, he curses them by causing grains to grow from their flesh. Nowadays, we call this smallpox. For centuries when the disease popped up, Yoruba villagers often turned to the powerful Sopona cult to save them. In some areas, the cult of Sopona would be given full reign of a village and declare themselves the ultimate authority on hot earth. Only the priests were allowed to care for the sick or tend to the dead, no doctors. And if the ailing person passed, their belongings were claimed by the cult. This left the villagers facing an untreatable disease and at the will of both the god and the cult. Jusufu couldn't stop smiling as he walked through the jungle. All the familiar sights and sounds of the trail brought him joy. It had been over a decade since he left his village to accompany Dr. Werner on his travels. The German missionary had been impressed with the young Jusufu's fascination with science. For years, Jusufu was an eager learner and eventually became quite the physician himself. Jusufu learned about inoculations in Turkey and germ theory in England. Seeing firsthand the miraculous works of science filled Jusufu with hope. Now he was excited to bring his knowledge home, where he could put it to good use. Growing up, smallpox was a seasonal scourge throughout Western Africa. Assuming the disease spread through foul smells, some people would hide in their huts and burn incense, their own form of quarantine. Others claimed the sickness was a punishment, the work of Sopona, the vengeful god of the earth. The ailing had no options other than to pray and beg Sopona for relief. But now Jusufu had a scientific solution, inoculation. If smallpox ever returned to his village, Jusufu would save countless lives by inoculating his neighbors. Jusufu stuck his chest out with pride. He was going to be a hero. Jusufu entered a clearing. Just a few hundred yards ahead sat his village. He could see the yam fields rolling toward the valley in the distance. It looked so similar to when he left, but it wasn't exactly the same. There was a series of hastily constructed huts along the outskirts of town. They clearly weren't homes, and Jusufu had never seen the white marks that dotted the huts. Bonfires, the likes of which Jusufu had never seen, sat at the four corners of the village. He frowned in confusion. Even more troubling than what had changed outside the walls was what changed inside. In the middle of town, the church was without a steeple. The cross had been haphazardly sawed off, and the outside had been painted with the same white dots that marked the huts. <laughs> Suddenly, from out of the tall grass, the sound of someone sobbing snapped Jusufu from his wondrous haze. Hello? Jusufu called out. 
The cries stopped as soon as the words left Jusufu's mouth. He called out again, but got no response. Jusufu inched closer to the grass. A young girl knelt over a fresh grave, sobbing. Jusufu reached toward the girl. Please don't be afraid. I can help you. My name's Jusufu. The young girl, no older than 11 or 12, turned. Her face was puffy from crying. The girl pleaded with Jusufu, Please don't tell anyone I was crying. The girl was more than sad. She was terrified. Jusufu felt as much confusion as compassion. I won't tell anyone, but you are allowed to be sad. What is your name? The girl shook her head. I'm Vungwa. No one is allowed to mourn in this village. It is forbidden. You must smile and laugh even when you don't want to. When father died, it made me so sad, but he comes for those who mourn the way he comes for those who doubt. Vungwa forced a smile across her puffy face. Jusufu was confused. This wasn't the village that he knew as a child. Who would outlaw mourning? Jusufu knelt next to Vungwa. My name is Jusufu. If you feel like you must cry, you can find me at Marie's house. You are safe with us. Vungwa nodded. Jusufu left her in the grass and turned back toward his village. He had no idea what had become of the elders and why they were enforcing such draconian laws. The closer Jusufu got to the village, the stronger the smell from the bonfires grew, a combination of decay and saccharine sweetness. He stared into the fire, one thought running through his head. What are they burning? Jusufu neared the gates of the village. He spotted two hunters walking in front of him. He called out, hoping they could explain. Excuse me, what's going on with the fires? but the men didn't turn around. A young boy had stepped out of the gates and they fell to their knees instantly. Then the hunters started laughing and singing, their hands outstretched toward the small child. They were worshiping him like a god. Jusufu froze in his tracks. In all his days living in the village, he had never seen anything like this. His village had always been reserved in their traditional worship, even before turning to the Christian God. But something had changed. Slipping into a patch of brush, he crept closer to the group. He needed to hear what they were saying. Just another quiet step closer, and their words reached him. Praise you, Sopona, praise you. Take this burden from this village and free us of your just and awesome wrath. The moment he heard the word Sopona, a chill shot down Jusufu's spine. Vungwa's secret mourning suddenly made more sense. Jusufu poked his head out from the tree. He could see the boy being worshipped more clearly now. He was covered in bulbous pockmarks. The skin of his chest bubbled like a boiling pot. The rough, raised marks leaked a thick, viscous pus. It was smallpox. Vungwa's hidden mourning, the bonfires, the odd markings on the church. It had to be the works of the cult of Sopona, a fearsome group that answered to no one and preyed upon desperate, disease-plagued towns. In Jusufu's youth, 
his village elders ridiculed them as profiteering zealots. But now, hearing the exaggerated laughs, seeing the hunters praising the sick child, Jusufu realized the cult had made it here. He didn't see any sign of the elders when he walked into town. The cult ran his village now, and their edicts were clear. Accept Sopona's wrath cheerfully, or risk dying yourself. Jusufu felt panic rising up in his throat. The cult was staunchly against outside medicine, but he'd have to find a way anyway. Walking into an already raging epidemic, he would be racing against time. He needed to inoculate everyone immediately. Jusufu hurried through the streets of his village. Every person he passed with leaking pockmarks had at least one other person at their feet praising them. He could hardly think over the cacophony of voices, but he knew one thing. He had to get to his mother immediately. He would start the inoculations with her if she wasn't infected already. Jusufu turned the corner toward the church. A crowd of worshippers filled the streets. The ill, covered in bulging bumps, danced and shouted next to perfectly healthy people. Jusufu's heart filled with terror. He charged through the crowd, pushing past the throng of sweaty, infected bodies. A priest in white trousers with no shirt stood in front of the former church building. His torso and arms were covered in white, painted-on dots, the same as the huts and the church. He shouted to the mob, Dance and shout so that Sopona can revel in our praise. Our suffering is earned. He will only take it away if we thank him for this brutal lesson. The crowd roared in approval. Jusufu shoved his way to the front. Jusufu waved his arms, desperate to get everyone's attention. Everyone go home! This is an epidemic! I am Jusufu. I left here 15 years ago, but I have returned with a scientific miracle, inoculations. I can save every healthy person from this disease. The hum of the crowd died down. They stared blankly at Jusufu. A hand grabbed him by the shoulders. It was the priest. Jusufu pleaded with him, at least send these people home. This will make the epidemic worse. The priest shook his head, the smile not leaving his face. This village has been judged, and Sopona is here to show us his terrible might. You cannot drive out Sopona. Only I, Saba, high priest of Sopona, can fix this. Jusufu tried to reason with the man. This is not the work of a god in the heavens. This is a disease. These people need a doctor, not a priest. Saba glared at Jusufu, his eyes betraying the false brightness of his smile. Science is not more powerful than the god of the earth. Sopona isn't in the heavens, he's here. The god walks among us, and your lack of faith means Sopona will destroy you. The crowd erupted in cheers. Jusufu stared at them, a terrible realization dawning. The doctor hadn't returned as a hero. He was the enemy. Coming up, Jusufu tries to reason with the villagers. 
This is Story Booth Daily. Tune into this new podcast for your daily fix of real life stories from real people around the world. We've received thousands of stories that we want to share with you from talking about being ghosted or realizing that being popular isn't all that great sometimes. No topic is off the table. This is a podcast that's not only for you, but by you. Story Booth Daily premieres November 8th, so be sure to check us out Monday through Friday. Story Booth Daily is a wheelhouse and Spotify original from Parcast. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Jusufu shoved through the throng of people. Some of them were once his neighbors. They had cheered for him as he left to become a doctor. Now they were cursing him for upsetting Sopona. But if they wouldn't listen to him and the priest wouldn't hear him, maybe his mother would. He kept pressing forward. Diseased hands grasped at him, and he could feel streaks of pus with each swipe. It was enough to make him question his own inoculation. But finally, he pushed through the back. He gasped for clean air and let out a sigh of relief as the mob turned back towards Saba, their priest. At least they weren't following him. He cut through town and made a straight line for his mother's house. Jusufu threw open her front door, announcing, Mother Marie, are you well? His mother preferred to be called by her Christian name. Just speaking it out loud warmed Jusufu's heart. As the door to his mother's bedroom slid open, Jusufu squealed with joy. Marie held out her arms, which were unblemished. Jusufu was thankful. It meant she had avoided the throngs outside. Jusufu ran toward his mother, gushing, I have missed you so much. What has happened to the village? The cult of Sopona has ruined them. Marie held her son's face in her hands. Tears came to her eyes. I am so proud of you, my son. The village is not like it was when you left. Jusufu nodded. That's clear. This outbreak is completely unnecessary. Dancing and laughing won't drive out this plague, but I know how to stop it. Give me your arm. I can protect you. Jusufu took his mother's arm in his hand. He gave her wrist a loving squeeze and pulled out his knife. Marie recoiled. What are you doing? Jusufu pleaded. It's fine. I simply must make a small incision, and then we rub some of the diseased scabs in the wound. The infection will be localized, but you won't get sick like the others. You'll be safe. Marie wrapped her arms around herself, her face contorted in fear. You want to willingly infect your own mother? Do you think you are as mighty as God or Sopona? You will anger them both. Jusufu stared at his mother. She might not have fully fallen for the words of the priest, but clearly some of it had infected her mind. He tried to reason with her. You don't understand. 
Science is a blessing from God. Inoculation will save this village, and it can start with you. But Marie wasn't convinced. I will not let you infect me. It isn't right. Jusufu put away his knife. We don't have to do it now, but please, I beg you, stay inside until this outbreak has cleared up. Marie gave a curt nod. This was not the reunion he was hoping for. He'd hoped to be drinking palm wine and eating his mother's stew, but there would be time for that later. For now, he had to try and stop this outbreak from spreading, and if he couldn't convince his own mother to accept his treatment, he'd have to find someone else. Luckily, he suspected he'd already met his patient. Jusufu stepped into the empty field behind the village. A group of children was playing in the fading light of the day. He scanned their faces, and there she was. Standing off to the side watching the other children play was Vungwa. She already hated the cult and knew the pain of loss. Surely he could convince her to take the inoculation. Then perhaps he could convince the other children. The adults might remain stubborn and continue to refuse, but at least the new generation would live on. Jusufu walked toward the clearing. Vungwa smiled as she saw him approach, a genuine, loving smile. Jusufu waved the girl over. He knelt down before her. You look like you're feeling better today. Vungwa kept her voice low. Thank you for being so kind. Sopona is everywhere, and people are too afraid of him to be kind. Jusufu reached into his pouch and pulled out a tiny vial. What if I told you you didn't have to be afraid of Sopona anymore, that I could protect you from him forever? Vungwa's eyes went wide. Really? You can do that? Jusufu carefully took the girl by the hand it is very simple. I just make a tiny cut on your arm, rub these old scabs on the wound. I know it sounds odd. You will have a tiny reaction, but then you'll be free from the wrath of Sopona forever. What do you say, Vungwa? Vungwa looked at him curiously for a moment, but then a determined look swept across her face. She nodded. Jusufu's heart filled with joy. With deliberate focus, he eased the knife toward Vungwa's arm. He made a tiny incision. Vungwa didn't make a sound. That's the hard part. Now comes the easy part, Jusufu said as he reached for the vial. In a flash, Vungwa ripped her arm away. Jusufu looked up. The girl suddenly looked horrified. He tried to calm her, no, no, I have to finish. The next part doesn't hurt. But Vungwa wasn't looking at Jusufu. Her eyes were over his shoulder. Her lip trembled. It's, it's Sopona. Jusufu turned around. In the middle of the field stood a tall, dark figure. A horned mask covered the man's face, and he wore a cloak made of bark and animal skins. The man had hulking, broad shoulders covered in moss. Jusufu couldn't believe his eyes. The other children had all scattered. The figure raised a long staff and pointed it at the girl. Vungwa shuddered. It's me. He's coming for me. 
Jusufu stared in disbelief. This couldn't be real, but he couldn't deny what he was seeing. Jusufu whispered to Vungwa, I won't let anything happen to you. Then Jusufu leapt to his feet and charged the creature, which spun toward the jungle and ran. Jusufu gave chase. If this was a god, he was easily scared and not very fast. Jusufu gained ground as he crossed into the jungle. Just ahead, patches of fur and moss fell off of Sopona's cloak with each clodding step. He wasn't graceful, and Jusufu was getting closer. He leapt across a tiny stream. Just mere feet now, he reached out his hand. When Sopona made a sharp cut behind a sprawling Yohimbi tree, Jusufu stumbled, trying to follow the turn, and raised his eyes to... Nothing. The creature was gone. Jusufu searched all around him, desperate to find Sopona, but it was nowhere to be found. It was as if it had disappeared into thin air. No man could have done that, he thought. His heart raced. Was it witchcraft, or had he actually seen the god of the earth in the flesh? That's when Jusufu remembered he had left Vungwa all alone. He turned and sprinted back toward the field. Jusufu stepped out of the jungle. Vungwa was nowhere to be seen. He shouted her name, but there was no answer. Jusufu ran through the streets of the village, calling out for her. He scanned the dancing mobs, but the girl had disappeared. Jusufu wished that he had asked her where she lived. He ran back toward his mother's home. She knew everyone in town. She had to know where Vungwa lived, and he had to find her. He promised he would keep the girl safe. He wasn't going to break that promise. Jusufu made his way through town, back toward his home by the light of the moon. But as he drew near, he spotted Vungwa and his mother standing in the doorway of the house across the street. That must be Vungwa's home, he reasoned. Jusufu breathed a sigh of relief. She was all right, for now. He waved. Mother, get her inside. I'm afraid someone is after her. Marie pulled Vungwa into the home. Jusufu slowed to a walk. He was exhausted from all this running. He couldn't wait to get inside. Once Vungwa is inoculated, perhaps it will convince my mother, he thought. For the first time since he arrived at his village, Jusufu felt hopeful. Jusufu stepped inside the darkened home. There wasn't a single candle lit. It was pitch black. Immediately, the wretched stench smacked Jusufu in the face, thick and pungent. It was the smell of death. Something was very wrong here. Jusufu jumped as a match struck. In the light of the flame, he could see it wasn't just Vungwa and his mother in the room. Priest Saba crouched over a dead body in the middle of the room. The dead woman looked a lot like Vungwa, a sister maybe. Her skin looked like a crocodile's, covered in a grotesque maze of diseased bumps. The tops of them spilled open. Thick, gooey pus formed tiny pools beneath him. Priest Saba ran his finger across the pool of pus and scooped it into a tiny jar. 
Jusufu recoiled. The priest lit a candle and grabbed his staff. He scowled at Jusufu. You have harassed everyone you have encountered. The children, your own mother. This village does not need your ignorance. Your mother came to me after you caused her to be possessed. Jusufu looked from Saba back toward his mother. She wouldn't look him in the eye, her gaze locked on the floor. He couldn't help but sound disappointed. What have you done? Let me give this girl a chance. His mother inched toward the light. Three tiny dots poked out of her neck. Marie glared at her son. I was perfectly healthy until you showed up. Jusufu shook his head. That's not how it works. He tried to explain, but the priest poked Jusufu in the chest with the staff, pushing him back out the door. See what your agitation has done? You have cursed everyone you encounter. Sopona is no longer angry with this village. Now he is angry with you. Two guards stood on either side of the door, spears pointed at Jusufu. Saba growled. You may leave this village willingly, or you may be carried out, but this is no longer your home. Coming up, Jusufu meets Sopona face to face. Now back to the story. Jusufu walked to the outskirts of town, Saba and his guards not far behind. Standing between the bonfires burning dried flowers and the huts for the dying, Saba pointed toward the jungle. Flee this village and take your blasphemous talk with you. Jusufu slunk into the jungle, the lights of the bonfires fading behind him. But Jusufu made it no further than the tree line. Once out of sight, he hid, waiting for Saba and his guards to retreat back into the village. Jusufu wasn't going anywhere. The influence of Sopona was strong. Everyone in the village seemed to be infected with paranoia, if not smallpox. Jusufu had seen Sopona himself. He couldn't deny how real it looked. He had almost caught the creature, but it couldn't really be a god. Jusufu sat in the darkness and worked on his hypothesis. Vungwa knew Sopona by sight. Clearly, whoever was parading around as Sopona wasn't new. It had to be an act, someone playing dress-up to strike fear in the locals. Jusufu was going to find out once and for all. He was going to prove Sopona wasn't real and save his village. Jusufu stayed out of sight, creeping along the edge of the jungle. He walked around the perimeter of the village, going back to the spot by the field where he'd chased Sopona before. Jusufu knelt down in the brush. He didn't make a sound. He was going to wait right there until Sopona reappeared. And wait and wait. As the black night sky faded into the dark blue of morning, Jusufu fought off exhaustion. His eyelids were heavy, but there was no way he was going to sleep. He couldn't risk missing whoever was pretending to be Sopona. 
Suddenly, a twig snapped in the distance, then another. Someone was walking through the field. Jusufu looked out of the bush. He didn't make a sound. He barely allowed himself to breathe. The footsteps drew closer. They were heavy and plodding. Suddenly, the matted fur of Sopona's cloak floated by as the creature passed right in front of Jusufu. But the creature wasn't headed into the jungle this time. Now it was going toward the village. Jusufu leaned out of the tree line. He could see the horns sticking out of the top of the mask from behind. But it was carrying something. Something with two tiny legs and two arms. A cut on one of them. Vungwa. Jusufu filled with rage. Slowly, he crept out of the brush, careful not to make a noise. He stayed as far back as possible to keep from being seen, but he couldn't lose track of the earthy version of Sopona this time. Sopona entered the village. Jusufu sprinted ahead. Jusufu followed Sopona as the lumbering beast walked through town. It made its way directly to Sopona's temple. Jusufu's heart thumped against his chest. He had to save Vungwa, whatever the cost. Jusufu couldn't let her out of his sight. He quickly made his way into the temple. Jusufu crept inside. It didn't look anything like he had remembered. The former mission had been repurposed for Sopona. All the crosses and saints had been torn down, replaced with statues that looked exactly like the thing in front of him. Crudely drawn murals lined the walls, depicting Sopona possessing villagers, reveling in his own vengeance. Standing at the altar with its back toward Jusufu was Sopona. Vungwa was draped across the altar. Jusufu pulled his knife from his side. Without a word, he charged Sopona and planted the blade into its back. It let out an unholy shriek and tumbled to the ground. The dark, empty eyes of the mask stared up at Jusufu. He froze as it reached up a hand and pulled off the mask. Jusufu growled, Priest Saba. He was no longer smiling. His eyes were dark, his face contorted in rage. The priest shook his head. Priest Saba is merely a vessel. I am Sopona, and I will have your blood. Jusufu wasted not a moment longer. He grabbed Vungwa from the altar and ran out of the main room and into a long, candle-lit hallway. Small rooms were tucked away on both sides. He could hear footsteps giving chase. It had to be Saba closing in. Jusufu shoved open a door and dove inside. Jusufu eased the girl to the ground. Vungwa, wake up. Priest Saba was going to kill you. Please let me inoculate you. Vungwa nodded. Quickly, Jusufu pulled out the vial of scabs and rubbed them into her still open wound. Vungwa smiled at him. Is that it? Am I safe? Jusufu smiled. He pointed toward the tiny window against the wall. You will be safe. Now run. Do not stop until you make it to the next village. I will meet you there. 
Vungua ran toward the window and climbed out, Jusufu stood and smiled. But Jusufu's peace was short-lived as a heavy object crashed down onto his head. He tumbled to the ground, blood ran down his face, his vision went blurry. He tried to stand, but he couldn't. His eyes rolled back, and then the world went dark. When Jusufu opened his eyes, he was no longer in the storage room. His vision was blurry, but he could make out white marks painted on the ceiling of the temple. Panicked, he tried to jump to his feet, but he couldn't move. His hands and feet were strapped down to the altar. Jusufu could hear the laughter of the mob all around him. The entire village had to be there. Standing in the front row was his mother. The marks on her neck had only gotten worse. Suddenly, a horned figure leaned over Jusufu. Its empty eyes stared down at him. It was Priest Saba. Only it no longer looked like a mask. Now it looked like a face, a horrific, demonic face. The lips of the mask moved as Sopona shouted, I will drink the blood of this blasphemer. Then I will be satisfied. Jusufu wailed as Sopona drove a knife deep into his torso. Pain flooded his body as he watched the blood ooze out of his chest and roll down his side. The crowd roared with approval, even his mother. Jusufu felt the life leaving his body. He prayed that Sopona truly was satisfied. He would gladly give his life for no one else to suffer. If only he could believe it would work that way. He closed his eyes. Life was fading from his body, but he could envision the smile on Vungwa's face as she ran into the night. His own mother might have turned against him, but at least he managed to help her. Jusufu smiled. Smallpox is thought to have terrorized the world for at least 3,000 years. Even today, if there were an outbreak, there's no tested cure for smallpox. Before inoculations, the best people could do was pray. For the Yoruba people, perhaps that meant praying to Sopona, the vengeful god who had both the power to curse you and to heal you. But while some people prayed to Sopona, others were discovering the power of inoculations. They found that giving people a small, localized infection protected them from developing worse, full-blown cases of smallpox. Allegedly, this made its way to the Americas when, in 1721, an epidemic broke out in Boston. According to one story, seeing that there was no other treatment, a West African enslaved man named Onesimus mentioned his home's miracle inoculations, and the first major push for widespread vaccination was born. But the reaction to inoculations in 1721 wasn't much different than the reaction of the Sopona cult in Jusufu's village. Many didn't believe they would work, and others thought the mere mention of science over God's will was blasphemous. Some stories repeat themselves, but no matter the year, there is no way to appease a disease. But when we're lucky, 
there's an inoculation. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Jesse Harris, with writing assistance by Stacey Nemec and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. This is Storybooth Daily. Tune into this new podcast for your daily fix of real-life stories from people around the world. Storybooth Daily premieres Monday, November 8th on Spotify. Storybooth Daily is a wheelhouse and Spotify original from Parcast.